There's a popular Christmas carol played over and over this time of year called Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. Anybody ever heard that song? Anybody really want it to snow here? (laughs) Well, Billboard ranks that song as the ninth greatest holiday song of all time. But it wasn't written to be a Christmas carol. The two composers wrote it on a hot day in July in 1945 in Hollywood. And they were trying to imagine someplace cooler than where they were as a means of escaping the heat. And over time, that song took on a life of its own and became a melody we associate with Christmas. Well, like that song, the Christmas story has become watered down with tradition and morphed into a cute little story about a baby in a manger, rather than the magnificent plan of God that paved the way for all of mankind to be saved. Amen. This morning, Michelle and I want to take a closer look at the birth of Jesus from the Word, from Bible scholars, Hello. and from history, and preferably standing up. <laughs> Using the spoken word and song and also graphics provided by Shannon. Thank you, Shannon. We think you'll agree that it's still the greatest story ever told. Amen. Amen. And we're going to begin this morning by looking at Scripture. And we will be reading several passages of Scripture, all of them in, most of them in the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to begin this morning in Luke chapter 1, in, beginning in verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, the doctrine of the virgin birth of Christ teaches that Jesus was divinely conceived in the Virgin Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit, bringing together his deity and his humanity. The virgin virgin birth of Jesus is foretold in the Old Testament 
In Isaiah 7.14, the prophet writes, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. The Hebrew word translated virgin means a woman who is pure and virtuous, who has not been sexually intimate with a man. Mary had already been given to Joseph, and according to the tradition of the betrothal, they were considered husband and wife, though they had not yet lived together or consummated their marriage. The betrothal was a form of agreement that included witnesses, a marriage contract, and the payment of the bridal price. It was the first stage of the marriage procedure and usually began when the girl was about 12 years old. The betrothal period was generally concluded at the end of one year when the young woman would transfer residence to the man's house. This news from the angel Gabriel put Mary in an extremely embarrassing and difficult position. Nazareth was a small town, no more than 400 people. Uh, others say that it was probably around 150 people, the population. So the townsfolk would notice. Joseph would obviously have known that the child was not his. Mary knew she could be accused of adultery, an offense punishable by stoning. Yet she humbly and willingly submitted to the will of God. Why was it necessary that Jesus be born of a virgin? It all goes back to the Garden of Eden. In 1 Timothy 2.14, it says, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, fell into transgression. When Satan came into the garden, he deceived Eve, but Adam, who was with her, knew he was supposed to protect the woman, but he did not. He knew he was not to eat of the fruit, but he took it from Eve willingly and ate. So even though Eve was part of the transgression, it was Adam who was held accountable because he was the head of his home and he sinned with his eyes wide open. So when we are born into this world with a sin nature, and we all are because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that sin nature is given to us from our father, not from our mother. Romans 5.12 says, Through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Romans 5.18 says, Through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Contrary to what some churches teach, Mary was not without a sin nature. She had an earthly father, so she inherited what Adam had passed down through him. She could not, however, pass that sinful nature down to her son, because it only came through the seed of the father. If Jesus had been born of Joseph, he would have been born physically corrupted, spiritually dead, sinful, and cursed. If that was the case, no redemption could be bought by his blood. No wrath could be satisfied by his death, and no resurrection could occur to validate his righteousness. In short, without the virgin birth, there could be no spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's been a long time since I had my babies, but I can still remember what it was like. 
When I became pregnant with my first child, I was 25 years old and married. I grew up in a time when there was a lot of information about how a baby develops in the womb and what an expectant mother can anticipate through her pregnancy. When Mary learned she would have a baby, she was likely between the ages of 12 and 14. And though she was betrothed, she wasn't officially married yet. And it wasn't likely that she had much information available to her about what to expect. She must have been overwhelmed with questions and wonderings, frightened as she imagined what her family's reaction might be, let alone her communities. What I remember so clearly was the faith it took to believe there really was a baby growing inside me. I mean, I took a test that told me I was pregnant. Once I saw the doctor, he confirmed the same, but it seemed like such a long time before there was any outward indication of my sacred secret. It was months before I was showing, months before I felt the tiniest movement from inside. I cannot imagine how it was for Mary. How many times did she question whether she really was visited by an angel or had she just imagined it? Did she awaken every morning reaching for her belly and whisper, I trust you, Father. Mary's faith in the goodness and his purpose for her, Mary's faith in God's goodness and his purpose for her were indispensable knowing the public scrutiny she would face. But God saw to it that she didn't walk this path alone. She must have found such comfort in the time she spent with Elizabeth who herself was to be a first-time mother. Elizabeth's personal experience was only months ahead of Mary's, but it's safe to say that at Elizabeth's age, she had likely encountered many pregnant young women, and perhaps she had even um, been present at a birth or two. Then Mary, when she returned to her home, Joseph was there to take her as his wife after his own angelic visitation. What Mary and Joseph can teach us by their trust in and obedience to God, is that we don't need to understand the whole plan of God for our lives. We simply need to trust him today to lead us and guide us, knowing he loves us and that his desire for us is good. He is our provider. He is our protector, our light, our shield, We are safe in him. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So sacred With all the wonder It could bring Who could have known A simple lonely manger Would be a throne room For a king Who could have dreamed This newborn baby had come to earth to save us all. Whose hands once hung the stars and knows them by name. Whose feet once walked down heaven's hall. Such a holy love, such a wondrous grace. Such majesty now born into an unexpected place. Silent so glorious. Who could have dreamed this child would be God with Who could have dreamed this Savior sleeping? Had come to earth to pay the highest cost. Who could have looked into that holy stable and seen the shadow of the cross? Such a holy love, such a wondrous grace. Such majesty now born into an unexpected place. Silent love, so glorious. Who could have dreamed this child would be God with us? Such a holy love, such a wondrous grace. Such majesty now born into an unexpected place. Silent night, oh Gloria, who could have dreamed this child would be God with us? Who could have dreamed this child would be God with us. 
Scholars believe that the purpose of the census decreed by Augustus was to number each nation in the Roman Empire by family and by tribe. It was a general enrollment of all Roman subjects, and it was conducted during a time of relative peace throughout the empire, known as Pax Romanus. The information gathered from this census would eventually be used to levy taxes on every adult, regardless of their income or resources. Since Joseph and Mary were both descendants of King David, they had to travel to their ancestral home in Bethlehem, which was more than a 70-mile trek through mountainous terrain. Now, Luke does not explicitly state what stage Mary was in during her pregnancy at this time. The King James Version says she was great with child, but that's not in the original text. It simply says she being pregnant. This has led some to suggest that Joseph and Mary departed for Bethlehem right after her return from her cousin Elizabeth's house, which put her, which would put her at the end of her first trimester, three months, when she would not be showing yet. This would allow Mary to escape the emotional turmoil and gossip that would have followed her had she remained in Nazareth throughout her pregnancy. Joseph was a carpenter, so he could have found work along the way, allowing them to stay for a while in various villages until it was time for them to arrive in Bethlehem. And apparently they stayed in Bethlehem for at least two years after Jesus was born, because Matthew's account of the wise men from the east says they went to when they went to Bethlehem, they came to the house where Jesus and his parents lived, not the stable he was born in. And when King Herod realized the wise men were not coming back to tell him where the child was, he issued an order to have all the male children in and around Bethlehem, who were two years old and under, to be killed. Luke also tells us about an angelic visitation, not to the chief priests and elders, but to shepherds watching their flocks at night. Shepherds, especially those charged with the night watch, were among the socially undesirable classes. They were considered filthy from living in the fields and among the animals and would have been considered to be the least likely people to receive such a glorious announcement as the birth of the Savior. Yet they represented the outcasts and sinners for whom Jesus came. It's interesting to note that the first evangelist to deliver the message to man about the Savior was an angel. And in the book of Revelation, we see that at the end of this age, another angel, flying in midair, will proclaim the gospel one last time to all who remain on the earth. Amen. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which they were told, which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. When the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. 
The shepherds immediately interpreted the angelic visitation as a message from the Lord. And once the angel was gone, they didn't hesitate to find the child he spoke about. They ran to the village. The baby and the manger they found were exactly as described by the messenger. You can only imagine the sense of wonder these shepherds felt gazing on the one who was the Messiah, resting in a feeding trough for livestock. The image of the Christ being born in a holding pen for cattle and being first visited by the outcasts of society was quite different from the popular expectation of that day that the Messiah would come as a powerful political religious leader to deliver Israel from the oppression of Rome. The apostle wrote in John 1, 10 through 11, he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. It was not to the aristocracy that the birth of the Messiah was told, but to those in humble circumstances. And once those shepherds saw with their own eyes the confirmation of the angel's message, they became the first human evangelists and spread the news of what they had seen and heard to the surrounding area. Those who heard their message were likely common folk in Bethlehem. The elite would have considered it scandalous that God would reveal his kingdom to such a lowly lot. But the people who heard it were filled with amazement and wonder. And what did Mary say when she heard these things from the shepherds? Nothing. She simply locked their treasured story in her heart and pondered and preserved it. But we can't help wondering what her thoughts were at that very moment. Mary, did you know it's your baby boy? Would one day walk on water. Mary, did you know it's your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you deliver will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hands? Did you know that your baby boy is walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, he kissed the face of God. Oh, Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know? The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? 
Mary, did you know it's your baby boy who one day rule the nation? Did you know it's your baby boy who's heaven's perfect lamb? That the sleeping child you're holding is the grave. I am. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, His name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice, according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, This child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong in spirit filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Despite all the violence and chaos in the world today, even after 2,000 years, this is still the greatest story ever told. A woman and an angel A promise and a song A word to grant for any mind to hold A census and a journey A stable and consort He tells the greatest story ever told Oh, sing glory in the highest. He has come, our great Messiah. Come bow before his awesome mystery. 
Mighty God, I pledge you daily. Here a lonely manger holds, and it's still the greatest story ever told. A hillside and some shepherds, a blaze of blinding light. Angels singing carols in the cold. Eternal revelation to minds as dull as stone. The glorious, greatest story ever told. Oh, sing glory in the highest. He is come, our great Messiah. Come bow before His awesome mystery. Mighty God and fragile baby, here a lonely manger holds, and it's still the greatest story ever told. Why don't you sing it with us? Oh, sing glory in the highest. He has come, our great Messiah. Come bow before this awesome mystery. Mighty God and fragile baby, here a lowly manger holds. And it's still the greatest story. Ever told. And it's still the greatest story ever told. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we can focus on you, that we can see your love demonstrated to us throughout eternity by the fact that you created your son Jesus to come to dwell among us, to know us as no one else can, and to be willing to go to the cross and die for us so that we can spend eternity with you. Father, I pray for anyone under the sound of my voice who has not yet asked Jesus to be his or her savior. It's so simple. And Father, give them the grace right now just to say, Father God, I may not understand all of it, but I want Jesus to be my Savior so that I can be a part of your heavenly family. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for blessing us this holiday season and every day with your love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing that chorus one more time. Oh, sing glory in the highest. He is come, our great Messiah. Come bow before this awesome mystery. Mighty God and fragile baby, here a lonely manger home. And it's still the greatest story ever told.
and it's still the greatest story ever told. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. You're dismissed. And now have a go Merry have a Christmas. wonderful Christmas. Amen. Amen.